The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Today's world news, what it means, where it's taking us. I bring you the one and only possible message of world peace. This is a message of hope, tremendous hope. And he said unto me, you must prophesy again. The Trumpet Daily Program begins right now. Mystery of the Ages was originally written for the students at Ambassador College. In August 1985, Mr. Armstrong personally presented the new book to the students of the Fundamentals of Theology class. It would prove to be one of the last times he would speak in public. I think in a way God inspired it, but not in the sense that it is the Word of God. It's as God inspired Herbert Armstrong. And I tried to yield myself to him, and I hope I was able to yield myself, if not 100%, 97, 98, 99%. The Bible is like a book that had been sort of cut up into about 2,000 or 3,000 pieces, and you have to get them all put together in the right order, or you can't understand them. This book puts them together. And yet this book is only a synopsis. You could say it's the gist of the Bible, the synopsis. It doesn't cover all of it, but it covers the main thread of the Bible so you can understand the Bible and understand the other details when you read them in the Bible. It'll open up the Bible so that you understand it. That's what it is for. Make the Bible plain and clear and understandable. And God is such a great God when you come to really know him and who and what he is and how real he is. And I want to say that you need to read every word and you need to go over it more than once. You aren't going to get the full meat of this book in one reading. This is a book that after you've read it, you can read it a second time and then later a third time. This book is not intended to take the place of the Bible. It's intended to make it so that you will understand the Bible. You must read the Bible with it. And this is to make the Bible clear and understanding to you as you read it and bring its meaning out as you never saw it before. And I hope it will be a blessing to you. I hope you will enjoy it. It will give you great happiness and enjoyment. I hope you'll enjoy reading it. And I hope more than any other book you've ever read except the Bible. And perhaps in a sense, this makes even the Bible more clear and plain and you'll enjoy the Bible more from now on. Will you forgive me if I get a little bit of thrill that this was then done? This book is out now. Today's a pretty big day in my life. I can hand the copies of this book out to each of you. Herbert W. Armstrong, that's back in uh, 1985 as they were coming into the school year at Ambassador College there in uh, Pasadena, California. And, of course, just a few months after that, that announcement there, a, a few months after he presented that to the sophomore class, Herbert Armstrong died on this day, January 16th, 
1986, 37 years ago today. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us for today's show. You can get to this program and a lot more at our website. Of course, if you go to our website, you can get that book. Herbert W. Armstrong uh, wrote Mystery of the Ages in the last year of his life. And, uh, of course, he told the church that he wanted to take it to the largest audience possible. And those who know a little bit about that history... They, they know that the people that uh, succeeded him betrayed him in every respect. And, of course, discontinued Mystery of the Ages in less than three years after he wrote that, that magnificent summary of his whole ministry. All the understanding that God had, had given him over the years, over, over decades. Well, we had the privilege of fighting for that material, that book, Mystery of the Ages, and much more during six years of litigation from 1997 to 2003. And as I say, you can get to Mystery of the Ages and so much more. Of course, you can get to this program at our website, thetrumpet.com. Just go to thetrumpet.com forward slash live, and you can watch this show every weekday morning at 11 a.m. here in the Central Time Zone of the United States. I just want to draw your attention to this little booklet. Quick little read. Powerful. It's packed with a pun. Watch January 16. We, we do every year. And some of these years, these past 37 years, again, some pretty stunning developments, whether inside or fulfilled that role. The prophesied Elijah, you can read about that in Matthew 17. You can read the last few verses of Malachi 4. It's right in your Bible. Isaiah 40 talks about someone coming as a voice crying out in the wilderness. There's other passages as well. Luke 1, verse 17. I mean, these are prophecies in your Bible. Somebody came in the, the, the role of an end-time Elijah in this end time, in these last days. Who was it? You better know. <laughs> you better know who it is. Because he's really right at the center of earth-shaking prophecies. First, it points to God's end-time Elijah. It shows that there was a great God behind Herbert W. Armstrong. Second, again, the significance of winning the lawsuit on this date. Second, it points to the church today that is still doing the work of Elijah. If you know anything about the history, again, the, the worldwide church of God, after that abomination of desolation, it just splintered into probably a, a dozen groups, Laodicean churches, Scattered all over the place. Where's the God of Elijah? Which group is God working with and through? Well, you can prove this. You can know this. It points to the church today that's doing the work of Elijah. The end time Elijah died, but the God of Elijah did not. And that same God is backing this work that is holding fast to the truth says the court case victory was a dazzling sign of exactly where the God of Elijah is. God wants to make sure people know where he is. If, you're, if you really want to know, God will make it so clear to you. He'll prove it. He'll show you. He'll reveal it. But so many people just don't want the truth. They just want to go the, the smooth and easy way. They want to take the path of least resistance. 
And so many of them have, and they've settled into Laodicean branches that aren't doing a work. Not for God. You can prove, look at the literature that we have. We fought for it in court, and we won. That, the correspondence course, incredible human potential, the United States and Britain in prophecy, a lot of booklets, Herbert Armstrong's most famous booklets, his best-known booklets, the autobiography. We have it all because we fought for the truth, and God blessed us. God blessed us even on this date. This is from the booklet again. It says, whenever and wherever God is working, Satan the devil is active as well, trying to undermine and destroy. So these past 37 years, of course, the PCG started, you know, uh, three, four years after Herbert Armstrong's death. But these past 30 some years, God has really been raising the ruins, just like it's prophesied in Amos 9. And you can see the fruits I told you last week how important it is for us to judge by the fruits. Never mind what men say. Where is the work? We call this church, we we often refer to what this church is doing as the work. Because God is working. Jesus said he was a workman just like his father. John 4 verse 34. He must work until it's finished. God's given us a work to do as well. But when you see that work really flourish and, and prosper, just be assured that Satan's all, he's also going to be working his works of destruction. It says here, throughout his ministry, Mr. Armstrong faced opposition and persecution at times unimaginably intense. Some of the worst of it came from within the organization he founded. But empowered by God, with strong righteous leadership, he held those forces back and kept the church and the work of God on track. So even even from within, Herbert Armstrong was constantly coming under fire, attacked by his own people, some of his own ministers. And then it says here, on January 16th, 1986, Herbert Armstrong was taken out of the way On that day, the great spiritual war of Daniel 8 began. On that day, Satan began working mainly through one man, systematically dismantling and casting to the ground the truth that Mr. Armstrong had taught. It says, within a few short years, the Worldwide Church of God had renounced the very teachings that distinguished it as God's church. Today, it's utterly unrecognizable as the organization Mr. Armstrong founded. That's in uh, God's miracle day. Now, you look in America under attack, again, just to draw attention to these parallels. In AUA, it says, This nation, speaking of America primarily, this nation is committing suicide at the hands of certain powerful people in government and in society. They are actively, intentionally sabotaging this special nation from the inside. So in a lot of ways, it's the same story. The same story. My father says these radical elites have rapidly and fundamentally transformed American politics, government, diplomacy, policing, morality, race, sex, tradition, and culture. All of it. Fundamental transformation. We saw it in spiritual Israel, and we're seeing it in the physical nations of Israel today, in particular the United States of America to get to AUA, the January 6th booklet, the Ambassador for World Peace, the 800 number, one 
930-3024. Just call our operators today. They're, <laughs> they're standing by, waiting for your call. I pass them as I come into the studio here, the call center. Yes, indeed, we have plenty to offer you. And there's no cost or obligation. It's already been paid for. It's already been taken care of. In the spirit of God's love, we just want to give you the truth and hope that you'll immerse yourself into it. The truth sets you free. If you know the truth, it'll set you free. We're living, as we'll see here from scriptures in just a moment, we're living in the age of lies and deception. Well, if you're a regular viewer, you know all about that. You hear about it almost every day on this show. Switching back to the January 16 booklet, he's referring here to Revelation 12, where it says that the devil, he's real. This is what's brought out in America Under Attack. I mean, you can look back at, like we've covered recently in, in some of our classes here at the college, Simon Magus, Acts 8, this, this uh, history from the first century. You can see how that he, he bewitched the entire, the entire region of Samaria. They were deceived by the devil and his demon army. And like my father says in AUIA, I mean, where are those demons today? Well, Revelation 12 says that they're confined to this earth. They're confined to the surface of this earth. And you can see their demonic activity, or what they're inspiring anyway, all around us. My father says, after referring to Revelation 12, verses 12 and 13, he says, the links, this links, this prophecy in Revelation 12, it links directly with the prophecies in 2 Thessalonians 2 and Daniel 8. Satan and his demons were cast down to the earth at the same time that he who restrains was taken out of the way. Here's, here's another, another measure of significance to January 16. Herbert Armstrong dies, and as my father has said, Satan and his demons, they're cast down on that day. And look at how the world has changed since 1986. I mean, you look at the world today, you look at America today as compared to the mid-1980s. You know, when Reagan was president and Margaret Thatcher in, in the UK. What a different world! It says here, this links, well, I read that. Here again, we see just what a decisive pivot point in world history is January 16, 1986. The world entered a profoundly different time. We must be aware of the scale of spiritual warfare that occurred on that date and that has taken place ever since. You see how the devil just demolished the Worldwide Church of God in a matter of years, just a few years. What they had, he dies in 1986, and the Tkach administration comes out, I think it was in the end of 1994, and just renounced everything. Now, they had been basically renouncing it bit by bit just soon after Herbert Armstrong died. They were in, I mean, these, these steps were in motion even before he died. But to just come right out, in the, the mid-1990s, less than 10 years after he died, and to say, yeah, we were, we were a cult. Herbert Armstrong was a heretic. We apologize for what we've done, so said Joe DeCotch Jr., apologizing on behalf of Herbert W. Armstrong, who had been dead for several years, disfellowshipped from the church, essentially, post-mortem, 
What a, what a destructive time th that was. An abomination of desolation. My father writes in the little January 16 booklet, you can already see the associations, both positive and negative, that make January 16 so momentous. This date reveals the spiritual dimension behind events. It exposes the devil's efforts to destroy not only the church, but also modern nations. More importantly and inspiringly, it shows God's hand at work, even in the details of what happens in his church and in the world. So you see the destructive efforts of the devil, but you also see God's hand in raising the ruins. As far as the world goes, just to, again, point you back to America under attack, my father says this, with, with evil increasing in our world, I've seen more and more commentators talking about the fact that there's a spiritual dimension behind this. More of, more of them are talking about God, and in some few cases, they're even talking about the devil. We've played, uh, as I recall, we've played a few clips from Jason Whitlock, the commentator that goes on Tucker sometimes, talking about the devil and what he's responsible for. People know something is dreadfully wrong. My father writes, this is woeful news in the short term, but a sign of wonderful news in the long term. This book focuses on how Satan is attacking America. That would be this book here. America under attack. I saw people email, email me these things. There was a podcast that went by that title, America under attack. Uh, I think there's another seminar that conservatives have been invited to going by the same name. We had this in print in 2013. And we're already needing to update it and revise it again. But this one, just call, call and request this one. We've got them in stock. We'd love for you to go through it and to understand the spiritual dimension behind this attack. 866-930-3024 is the 800 number. My father says, just to finish this quote, it is critical to see the devil's influence in what is happening but you must also see God's hand. This gives you wonderful perspective, uh, even amid some of the darkest days our nation has ever faced. Knowing why God is allowing this and how he plans to use these events to ultimately bless every American and every other in the first chapter of Romans, you know, God talks about revealing his wrath. I mean, that's not a subject that, that many in the traditional world ever, the traditional Christian world, I should say, ever want to really delve into, but it, there is such a thing as God's judgment, God's correction, his wrath. He mentions wrath in, in chapter one. He mentions it again. Paul does under the inspiration of God in chapter three of Romans. But he says here in Romans one and verse 28, and since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, this is the Revised Standard Version. God gave them up to a base mind and to improper conduct. God gave them up to a mind of futility, baseness, worthless knowledge. Does this sound like God's trying to, desperately trying to save the whole world right now? He will. He will in the end. It does say, it does say in 1 Timothy 2 that God will, his wish and desire is that all men shall be saved. He doesn't want anyone to perish. 1 Peter 3. 
But when you look at this world as, as it's cut off from God, look at what we've brought on ourselves. Look at what we're doing to ourselves. In the case of the United States, I mean, look at what America's doing to itself from within. An attack. God gives a perfect description here of our world today. This is Paul writing under the inspiration of the Almighty in the first century, some 2,000 years ago. He says, being filled with unrighteousness, fornication, we're just filled with it. The, the, the prophecy in Isaiah 1 says that there's a sickness that just goes through and through from head to toe. There's no soundness in it all. The, the head is faint, it says there. Here it talks about being filled with unrighteousness. Filled with all unrighteousness, fornication, wickedness, covetousness, maliciousness, full of envy, murder, debate, deceit, malignity, whisperers, backbiters, haters of God, despiteful, proud, boasters, inventors of evil things, disobedient to parents without understanding, covenant breakers, without natural affection, implacable, unmerciful. Do you see any of this all around you today? It's everywhere. It's a perfect description of the world today. And you find a lot of descriptions like this in the New Testament. 2 Timothy 3, you look at 2 Corinthians 6, there's quite a few passages. Galatians 5, just to finish this one, it says in verse 32, who knowing the judgment of God, you see there is judgment coming, that they which commit such things are worthy of death. That's what, that's what happens when God's wrath is revealed. Now these people are living in ignorance and they're going to have an opportunity in the resurrection, to live God's way of life, to live the life of a, of a Christian, to live, to be a doer of God's word. But in the short term, I mean, the wrath of God is about to be revealed. On all of this, described in verses 29 to 32, they that commit such things are worthy of death, not only do the same, but have pleasure in them that do them, or they basically approve of those who practice these kinds of lifestyles. God even says, look, if you're just over there giving your tacit approval, even if not fully engaged in the acts of Sodom and Gomorrah, well, you're part of the problem too. Mr. Armstrong used to talk about the clergy back in the 1960s when the world was just rushing headlong into revolution, sexual revolution, and we saw the pendulum swing from the old morality to the new. And Mr. Armstrong said, where were the ministers? Where was the clergy? The ones that supposedly preached from the Bible? And they're not going to stand against this, this immoral onslaught? They didn't. The Bible says, come out of the world and into God's church. But in the case of the churches, they didn't come out of the world. They brought the world into the church. That's right. That's the truth. They should have been speaking out against these many sins because it says in verse 29 that we're just filled with them now. I mean, we've reached saturation, the saturation point. Notice chapter 3. Here again, you want a perfect description of the heart of man? 
You want a perfect description of a society cut off from God and his spirit? Romans 3 and verse 10 says, As it is written, there is none righteous, no, not one. Not even one? Do you hear this in the university system of today? Modern educa- Does modern education get into this? Traditional Christianity doesn't get into it. That's what it says. Paul's paraphrasing from Isaiah and the Psalms throughout this passage here. I mean, he was really breaking open his Bible as he was sitting down to write this epistle and just quoting right and left from the Old Testament. As it is written. You should know this. It's in the Bible. As it is written, there is none righteous, not even one. Verse 11, there is none that understands. There is none that seeks after God. Wow. I mean, that's quite an indictment. What does that say? It's easy even being in the church to just kind of be a little puffed up because of what we know and to maybe, maybe think, well, this world deserves what's coming. God says we ought to sigh and cry for what's happening to our nations. God wants us to be more empathetic, not, not tolerant. Stand! Stand against this immoral onslaught, as I say. But God will give all those who are living in ignorance of his laws, he'll give them an opportunity to turn it around and to repent. But here's the thing. Everyone's going to have to do it. Everyone has to repent before it's all said and done, or else there is no hope for that individual. We have to turn. We have to change. And then the, the righteousness that God's looking for, what he creates in us, is exactly that. It's his doing. We have to yield We have to be compliant. We have to be obedient like little children. Obedient children, that is. And then God will fill us with his spirit. He'll fill us with the life of Christ. And Christ will lead his life in us the same way he led it 2,000 years ago in the flesh. Look at 1 John 4 and verse 2 on your own time. Here in verse 12, They are all gone out of the way. They are together become unprofitable. There is none that doeth good, no, not one. You look around our world today, all of the corruption, the division, the strife, the hatred, the murder, well, everything we just uh, rattled off there at the end of Romans 1. And you have to conclude, if you have a godly mindset, that we have brought all of this on ourselves. There is cause and effect. We reap what we have sown. They're all gone out of the way, it says in verse 12. Verse 13, their throat is an open sepulcher. With their tongues they have used deceit. The poison of asps is under their lips. They use their tongues to deceive, to lie, to cheat, to steal. You see any of that happening today? It's almost laughable to see these members of Congress denouncing This one congressman, Santos is his name, I think, he padded his resume. He lied about going to such and such and such college. He lied about being on a volleyball team. I mean, just crazy lies. He should be run out of town. But the fact that the liars in Congress want to run him out of town, I mean, how rich is that? They lie as maybe their lies are a little more sophisticated and not so laughable. Like saying you're on a volleyball team when you really aren't. Just stupid lies. But they lie about the budget. They make campaign promises that they break within seconds. That's the whole town is just swimming in lies and deceit. It is a swamp. 
And now they self-righteously kind of straighten up and say, yeah, he lied. He doesn't belong in Congress. Oh, liars don't belong in Congress? Well, that pretty much wipes out the swamp right there. As a matter of routine, their, their throat is just an open sepulcher. Verse 14, whose mouth is full of cursing and bitterness. Full. You see how God describes it? There's none, zero, that does righteous. They're filled with unrighteousness. Here it says their mouth is full of cursing. Verse 15, their feet are swift to shed blood, says the same in Isaiah 59. They just run to evil. They run to murder. They run to commit sin. And those that can commit the most or come up with the most bizarre and perverse thing imaginable, they're the ones that are going to be probably awarded in this world. You see that news of, I think it's a transvestite that, that bought the Miss Universe pageant. I mean, the Miss Universe pageant in and of itself has its own problems with respect to flowing in the opposite direction of God's love. Beauty is vain, says the proverb. But here comes a man dressed as a woman, or, or who acts like a woman who now runs this pageant? What's next? Where do we go from here? Sodom and Gomorrah, that's the way the Bible describes it. Didn't Jesus say that in the last days it would be just like Sodom and Gomorrah and just like the days before the flood? Answer, yes, he did. And here is where we are. Verse 16 says, Destruction and misery are in their ways. And the way of peace have they not known. There is a way to peace, but we, we don't know the way. We won't go the way. Verse 18 says, why? There's no fear of God before their eyes. They don't fear God. They just worship men. They worship themselves. Will worship. We refer to that a lot in America Under Attack and elsewhere. Worshiping the will, just do what we say, do what some man says, but they won't do what God says. No, that's not an option. Your Bible says, let us hear the, the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the whole man. Fearing God, keeping his commandments. In America, under attack, sorry, this is the January 16th booklet. It says, in recent years, the curses associated with January 16 have been achingly prominent for America, but also God supplied his church with the most magnificent miracle of all. When Mr. Armstrong died on January 16, 1986, it began the greatest spiritual disaster ever in God's church, at least in terms of numbers. I don't think that there has ever been a greater spiritual crisis and then he goes on to talk about other events, earth-shaking events to happen on January 16th. You've seen the destruction of God's church. You've seen the destruction of our nations in so many ways. And at the same time, in the midst of all of this, you've seen God raise the ruins of his work. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. If you'd like to submit some feedback to the show, you can email us, tdatthetrumpet.com. We'll be right back. Trumpet Daily. I'm 
speaking to you from our television studios in Pasadena, where I speak to the world as a voice crying out in the wilderness of modern religious confusion. Herbert W. Armstrong was the world's leading televangelist and one of the most prominent religious leaders of the 20th century. Watched, read, and followed by millions worldwide. But his legacy of Bible-based humanitarianism came under attack after he died. The cabal of leaders who took control of the church he founded after pledging to follow in his footsteps methodically destroyed all he had built. Those who would stop them were silenced or excommunicated. This shocking story of betrayal and deception is told in Raising the Ruins. To learn more, please visit thetrumpet.com. The Trumpet Daily. I'm going to tell you, folks, I think we're seeing enough information on the Bidens. Now, to safely say that Biden will serve at the pleasure of Barack Obama. If Obama gives the green light to Democrats to take Biden out, there will be ample evidence that Biden has lied about his knowledge. His family was selling his name and office with his permission. And if that's, in fact, the case, then there's likely unreported money that will be found. The fake news media will temporarily become hard news media if the decision is made that Biden has to step down. Until that time, they will be covering for Biden. They'll be making excuses for Biden. They'll be ignoring all the negatives. You wait and see. And then watch what happens to their ratings when that happens. That's, of course, the, the late Rush Limbaugh from, uh, what was it, December, mid-December 2020. So just a little over two years ago. And uh, a pretty spot-on uh, forecast that he serves at the pleasure of Barack Hussein Obama. And the media, the talking heads, they have covered for him and they have covered for the administration, the Joe Obama people. They've covered for Barack Obama, obviously. And they've covered for Biden to this point. And now we see him immersed in scandalous activity with these documents, these top secret documents, just uh, popping up all over the place. Garages, the rooms adjacent to the garages at the Pennsylvania University campus. His house in Wilmington. I mean, to some degree, there's still, even though Barack Obama's pulling the plug on the puppet here, there still are some in the, in, the, in the world of the legacy media that are carrying water for Biden. Certainly when you compare it to Donald Trump. They want for you to know that uh, what the big guy was doing is uh, nothing like what the orange guy did. I mean, the orange guy, that's, that, he should go to prison for that for sure. Here's some of the talking heads from over the weekend, clip five. They find the documents, they report it immediately. A far different situation than Donald Trump's. Anybody who says it's not is a political hack. It's very clear. Uh, it's very clear to see politically and legally that there is a huge difference in the two cases. Yeah, that's an important place to start, just to underscore the differences between the Biden and Trump cases. I think President Biden has handled this correctly. He's 
fully cooperated uh, with the prosecutors when the documents were found. He notified archives. It's a total contrast to President Trump. Very different than the Trump case. Predictably, Republicans are working the airwaves, trying to convince Americans that Biden and Trump cases are one in the same. Now, oh, I don't see any damage from Biden and the Democrats. I do. We still have no evidence whatsoever that the current president did anything intentionally and willfully, let alone, as Mika pointed out, obstructed justice. So the two cases are, are likely to be quite different. Listen, Jonathan, President Biden's lawyers did the right thing. It is not illegal for documents to be inadvertently commingled. Yeah, it's all inadvertent. And, and they've just been so cooperative after they concealed all of this for six years Six years. And then they knew, they knew the documents were there even before the raid on Mar-a-Lago. They had to have known. And yet they still, they still, they, go, they break in basically. Maybe they didn't break in, but they go in. They're armed into Mar-a-Lago. They're there for nine hours. As Trump tweeted out this morning or on Truth Social, he said, look, our place is secure. There's lots of security. I've got the Secret Service around me all the time. It was padlocked. There's, there's, there's cameras catching everything. Trump was talking about all the footage that he collected of these FBI agents as they went through Melania's closet. And, and Biden says it's secure because it's in a garage where the door goes up and down every time he wants to play with the Corvette. Yeah, they're, they're trying to make it seem like oh, this is not in any way like what Donald Trump did because it's inadvertent. He didn't really mean to. God says, judge by fruits. What are they doing? What are they doing? There's an excellent article at Insight uh, on how that everything they say they accuse Donald Trump of, they're guilty of themselves. I'll get to that later if I have time. So the montage there, the, the ones carrying water for the administration, still, even as Obama throws them under the bus, but there's also quite a few in the media who acknowledge, who are beginning to acknowledge the seriousness of this because, well, you've accused Trump of such and such. And then it's not just one trove and then another. Then oh, and 10 of them are top secret. Listen to these reactions. Clip six. They'll have a press conference and say, well, we really uh, we think that's it. We don't think there are any more. They don't know. Uh, they haven't known what, what what's happened here. They even used, at the end of last week, they used the word complete. They said the search of the Biden properties was complete. Well, then two days later, they found more documents. But that looks like a mess. That's worse than my garage. <laughs> that's worse than my garage. I mean, that's not where, I don't know exactly where the documents are in that garage, but that does not look like what a secure location would be. The problem is... He withheld this from the American people for six days prior to a, president, a midterm election, and I don't know why and who made that decision. The bottom line is, is this. Classified documents should not be in anybody's home. They should And, you know, it looks like they were trying to kind of hide that and cover that up uh, until after the midterms. Lana, we've been listening here. She has not answered a single question outside of a pre-written statement by the president's lawyers. You know, former Senator Biden, Vice President Biden, President Biden often talks about how if there's anybody who knows how to do sensitive stuff, it's me. Yeah, and, and their definition of transparency seems to be shifting and perhaps entirely out of line with what normal people would consider transparency. When you talk about transparency, two months went by when they didn't say anything, particularly before midterm. They knew it would have been damaging to Democrats had it come out. 
kind of looks like they're kind of kind of covering it up, they say. <laughs> yes, yes, that's you can be sure, by the way, that the cover up continues. These are White House attorneys, Joe Biden attorneys, revealing the whereabouts of these documents and and covering it up until after the midterms, releasing the information strategically, as the dear leader suggests they do. You know, even the special counsel guy, he fought tooth and nail to keep Devin Nunes's memo from ever seeing the, the light of day. And so here comes Merrick Garland. He can kind of get the case off of his own back and just hand it over to this guy. Her, I think, is his name. He fought to keep the, the Nunes memo from ever seeing the light of day. Why would he do that? Because he was a, a Trump-Russia collusion hoaxer. That's why. You're not going to get justice in this department of injustice. You're not going to get justice in the swamp. That said, that said, as Rush Limbaugh brought out, whenever Barack Hussein Obama is finished with the puppet, is finished with Joe Biden, then he's going to be thrown under the bus. And you'll find, just for, if for a moment, you'll find some actual journalism as they try to get to the, even, even still, I mean, they treat him with kid gloves. Oh, that garage looks like my garage. I mean, uh, it seems like, uh, you know, they're not being transparent. Uh, it seems like uh, that uh, it could be a cover-up. Well, yeah, that's what it is. Another batch found in his Wilmington home. This is from CBS. Joe Biden's classified document scandal got even worse on Sunday when CBS News reported that at least 10 of the items found in his office at the Penn Biden Center were marked top secret, the highest level possible, meaning that a leak of these documents could do exceptionally grave damage to national security. This is what they tried to say President Trump had helped himself to. Instead, they find out that it was just kind of ego-driven, you know, a few napkins and dinner menus. Here he's got, the, the fake president's got top secret documents at a university of all places. Not a heavily secured Mar-a-Lago facility. A university where there's nobody even there representing Biden. Well, at least that I know of. Certainly it's not secure. It's not any more secure than the, the garage would be. You know, the garage where Hunter lived. Hunter Biden had access to these, these classified documents. That's right. Hunter Biden. Play this from David Gergen. This was uh, with Anderson Cooper over the weekend, clip seven. How big a mess is this for the Biden administration? It's very, very big, not legally, but politically. It's a very, very big deal. Um, you know, this is a president who was marching upward for the first time in his presidency. He's got his numbers up. People are feeling better about the economy. There are all sorts of reasons to believe that he could, that he can now present himself. Uh, the fears that people like me have about how old is he and can he govern well, those fears will be dissipated if he were able to stay on that track. Mm. But now along comes this, 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 this gigantic story, which was totally unexpected, and it's knocked that uh, knock for six. Yeah. The original plan. It's a it's a big deal legally too. If we're going by their standards of justice, if you want to throw President Trump in prison for taking the napkins, then where does that leave Biden, his family, the the Biden crime family? This is from Conservative Treehouse. Just coming back to this point that Hunter Biden lived in the house where the garage 
had the parked Corvette right alongside the top secret documents. Sundance says, back to back in the Wilmington, Delaware stash house where Hunter Biden used to bring his hookers and dope dealing friends. I mean, this is the truth. This is who he is. It's all over the laptop. What is also described as the home of Joe Biden, where the alarm system was so dysfunctional, the Secret Service apparently turned it off. According to the Biden lawyers today, they've found a fourth set of classified documents. A fourth set. Alarm system turned off. Can't look at any footage. It's just like the Jan 6 committee. Carefully control it. And then, like the talking head said this morning, if you release that footage, that's dangerous. It's dangerous to see the halls of Congress. We've got to be secretive. Same thing with the Pelosi people. What happened in the House that night? Well, we don't have the, fo- the, the cameras weren't on. How convenient. All of these corrupt, lawless people working under the cover of darkness. It says this brings the total in the Delaware stash house to three sets. One batch in the garage next to the Corvette, another set in an adjacent room, and apparently yet a third location in the same home where needles, bongs, and useful heroin tools were customary tableware. They have found more. I mean, is this, is this for real? You can't make this up. And then these people... As much as they're turning on him, yes, that's true, to, to describe it, well, the garage is a little bit messy. He was in there with his drug addict friends and hookers. It's unbelievable. It's like that prophecy. We've gone through it before. I don't want to be repetitive, but Ezekiel 8 or 9, where the prophet is just looking at all of these abominable sins and say, I can't even believe my eyes. And God says, here, come look through this hole and you'll see it's even worse. It's even worse. So coming back to this anniversary, you look at the level of destruction, the near total, complete destruction of the Worldwide Church of God and all the evil and the filth and the backroom dealings and the activities done under the cover of darkness. We saw it all happen. Destroyed a church and so many spiritual lives to go with it. And now you see the exact same thing happening. You see the exact same thing happening in our nations today, in the United States, in Britain, in little Judah, the the nations of Israel in particular. But going back to Romans 1 and Romans 3, I mean, you see the course for this whole world. And you know, you know that just as God has raised the ruins and empowered his work these past 37 years, Well, look at the work that the devil is engaged in. And look at his fingerprints. It's all over this present evil world. If you don't have a copy of America Under Attack, make sure you call our operators. Request your free copy today, 1-866-930-3024. And don't forget, don't forget this little booklet on this anniversary of Herbert Armstrong's death, January 16, God's Miracle Day. You're listening to Stephen Flurry, and this is the Trumpet Daily. We appreciate you joining us on today's show, and we'll see you tomorrow.